0: Welcome to the High Roller Tide Podcast for week 13 of college football action. I'm Rob Pozzola. Momentarily, I'll be joined by Joe Fortbaugh of the National Football Post as we break down this weekend's games from a betting perspective. Twelve weeks are in the books, and yes, we've still yet to have a losing week. Last week, a solid 3-1 and one against the spread. And I'm not including a, a play on Wisconsin as well. It could have been 4-1. Uh, we did advise not taking Wisconsin at minus 24 and at a lower number. So not including that. Could have been a 4-1 week. Our season record now 36-19 and 19 against the spread. That's a 65% success rate. That is a very, very good success rate in college football. We'll be breaking down eight games this weekend from a variety of different conferences. We'll do our best to once again keep this streak going. So let's not waste any more time. Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post now joins me on the line. Joe, this streak is something else. Let's hope we can keep it going again this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. College football's been great. Win it in college, don't dump it back in the pros. That's been the, uh, the mantra this season. And that Wisconsin game, it's funny because uh, come Saturday morning, I remember standing in a sports book looking up at the board, and I go, Jesus, this game's now up to 27. Yeah. We grabbed it around, you know, 2021. We told everyone yeah, around 24 it's starting to lose value. It looks square. I didn't know that thing was going to get to 27, and sure enough, it wasn't even an issue. That Wisconsin team's playing some great football now. And even though I- I'm not sure if we're talking about them this week, but uh, oh yeah, I see that they are on yep. the schedule, so I'll just wait for all the
0: analysis <laughs> for when we get there. Yeah, we will talk about the Badgers this week, and I actually went against your advice last week and still ended up playing Wisconsin minus twenty four right when we got off the air. Uh, I, I, I felt <laughs> You're
1: freaking so co- yeah. right good. Huh? Right,
0: right away, I'm like, well, this might rise even more just looking at the public consensus in that game. Uh, and that was no sweat at all. You're right. Wisconsin, a really good team. We'll talk about them uh, later on in the show, but let's get this started with the Big 12. Uh, we don't really talk about a. I know you don't like talking a lot of uh, about Big 12 games, but you do love the Baylor Bears, Joe, uh, and that's where we're going to start. First place in the conference on the line Saturday night. The unbeaten Bears they're taking on the nine and one Oklahoma State Cowboys. Baylor nine and zero, great season altogether. Dominating effort last week at Texas Tech. They've now won each of their contests. By double-digit margins, which is very impressive. Uh, the Cowboys also, with a big statement last week, they won against Texas, 38 to 13, in a blowout. Now Baylor opening 10 and a half here. That's since been bet down to nine and a half. Um, as I mentioned, Joe, you've had a pretty good read on this Baylor Bears team this season. Do you see any value with either side in this matchup?
1: Baylor has been so good to me. They covered the first half of every single game they played until last week, and I was playing all of those. And it's no problem to lose a game like that because when they've won so many for you, you ride that train until they buck you, and then they do, and then you reevaluate. So no hard feelings on that one. But they did come back to cover the spread. They did come back to cover the number in last week's game against Texas Tech, so we evened ourselves out there because they've been covering numbers left and right. Unfortunately, this week I take a big step back from Baylor. There will be no first half play. There will be no Baylor play. I know a few of the sharper guys in Vegas, they think Oklahoma State plus the points is the way to go. They think it's one of the easiest games on the board this wow. week. And in addition to that, a lot of guys are talking about playing them on the money line here. This Oklahoma State's caught fire. Uh, Baylor, we've seen them. They're exceptional at home. They've been good enough on the road, but this is going to be a tough road spot, primetime game against an Oklahoma State team that cruising and can score in bunches as well so you look at this game for me there is no way I'm getting in front of that Baylor train but unfortunately I can't play him this week because there are a lot of smart guys who think Oklahoma State's the move
0: that really surprises me and, and I get it I, I love my home dogs just as much as anyone else especially when these teams you know they appear to be pretty evenly matched but you look at Baylor this year and what they've done against everyone and they're killing everyone uh, I know this is a good team I know Baylor's only played two road games this year and this is going to be a tough environment, but it's a, it is a tough play to make betting against them right now.
1: Absolutely, and that's I was in the Tuesday meeting and we were discussing this game. Two or three guys love the Oklahoma State play and they're looking at me and another guy who's been playing Baylor all year and they're like, you know, you're going to be on the wrong side. And I looked at him and said, look, I don't need to bet Baylor, but I'm not betting against him. This train has been so hot. It's not even an emotional thing. Like, when you talk about teams you like, they've been so good to me this year, and I've become a big fan of Art Bryles and that team, but I'm not going to bet against them. There's no reason for me to get step in front of what they've been doing, because then you're going to feel like a real idiot if they cruise like they always do. They can score so fast that if they're up three with four minutes to go, I don't, I'm not surprised one bit if, if they win by 17. So, for me, the advice to everyone is be very cautious here if you've been riding Baylor. I won't be playing them this week but I'm not playing Oklahoma State because again Baylor's just so good there's no reason for me
0: to bet against them all right Joe let's switch over to Saturday's big SEC matchup the Texas A&M Aggies they're on the road they take on LSU in an SEC Western Division matchup the first meeting between these two schools uh in Baton in Baton Rouge since 1994 uh my french my french almost came out there just being a uh, canadian uh, baton rouge but uh baton rouge both teams coming off buys with uh, texas a&m's last outing a 51-41 victory over mississippi state lsu took a break last weekend uh they were they got knocked. Uh, they got beat down by Alabama, thirty-eight seventeen. We talked about that game a couple weeks back. The Tigers open ling four points here at home. I'm seeing four and a halfs across the board right now. The Aggies still have a possible BCS berth to play for here, Joe. I look at this game. I see upset potential with A and M this week.
1: Well, first thing to keep an eye on the weather could be a factor. Uh, as of my last check uh, on the forecast, sixty percent chance of rain. T- temperatures around fifty-nine degrees. So just keep that in mind. This time of year, especially in the NFL, especially in the Northeast, You've got to keep an eye on what's happening with the weather. They, play, they wreak havoc on totals, especially when there's wind. So that being said, we got the disclaimer out of the way. I'm not really interested in playing a side here, but I am going to play this game, and I do like the over on the opening number of 70. I fired that right down the street a couple days ago as soon as they put a lineup. Uh, Texas A&M can score in bunches, just like Baylor. I don't have to talk about that. They've scored 50 or more points in each of their last three games. They're averaging 49.2 points per game. LSU is known as a defensive football team, but that's not the case this year and that's not to knock the Tigers defense but the problem is when you lose so many talented players to the NFL it's yeah. very difficult to reload in less than a year so we're seeing some growing pains with a new defensive unit that's giving up a lot more points this season so I see Manziel hanging his standard 40 I think getting the 35 is gonna be no problem for the A&M Aggies that's just how they do business On the other side of the ball, though, LSU can score a lot more this year. They're not the team that wins 13-6 to games anymore. They give up points, but they score points. Zach Mettenberger has taken a big step forward under Cam Cameron as the new offensive coordinator. This is a team that can throw the ball all over the field. And if you look at Texas A&M's defense, it's basically 11 guys on the field who are just there to fill space until the offense and Johnny Manziel gets back on the gridiron and takes the ball. These guys don't stop anybody. They can't tackle. They don't play well. I don't know what the problem is problem is in college football where when you have one of the most explosive offenses in the league you have to have an awful defense. defense to go with yeah. it why can't someone just recruit defenders just like you recruit offensive guys it makes no sense to me but i'm playing over the total here
0: it's funny because conversely the same thing type tends to happen as well when teams have a really really good defense they have to tend to have a really stagnant offense you see that so often in college football where it's either one extreme or the other you
1: know, What's, what's going on? You, you have all these scholarships. You don't need 80 offensive players. So why don't you bring in a guy like an Ed Orgeron, who forget what he's doing at USC. He's a great recruiter. Find someone that can recruit defensive players and then hire a coach who knows how to coach defense. When you score 49 points a game, you don't need a, a lockdown unit like Alabama. You just need right. a unit that can get some stops occasionally, possibly force a turnover. Texas A&M should be scoring 49 points a game and be out of the national championship pick with a defending Heisman Trophy winner. That's on the defense.
0: Absolutely. We'll move on now, Joe, to the Big 12. We talked about them off the, off the top of the show. Let's get into it now. Uh, Wisconsin taking on Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin in the midst of a five-game winning streak, 51-3 to uh, against Indiana last Saturday. As we mentioned, they covered that spread with ease. Minnesota, 8-2 and two on the year as well. Both of its losses, though, have come in the conference. So they're second in the Big Ten's Legends division behind Michigan State. Uh, I put this game on the card, Joe, because of the spread. You look at this game, the Badgers open lane 14.5, that's been bet up to 16.5, I even see a couple 17s and some offshores. I've had a couple of people ask me about this game on Twitter and how this is possible, where you have the 25th ranked team in the nation getting 16.5 points at home against the 19th ranked team in the nation. Uh, I say when it looks too good to be true, it often is. Wisconsin is a very, very good football team right now. I think they're more than capable of covering this number, Joe.
1: Yeah, it's not one of my official plays in the article I write up every week, but less than 17, I'll I'll play the Badgers. Uh, They play great defense. And they've got a running game that just lights out with those two kids back there. They, they, they cruised last week. That was pretty much a bye week against Indiana. I mean, they lit it up from start to finish. I know they're going on the road. And Minnesota's a team with a lot of spunk. They, they, they play tough. They play gritty. They play with emo- emotion. I like them. But this is a problem for them. Wisconsin's going to come in and shut them down. And uh, Wisconsin's going to be able to score. So you get this game at less than 17. I, I, I'd like to believe it's some sort of trap that no one's talked me out of yet. But Everyone I've talked to in Vegas feels the same way. If you can get it less than 17, why not play the Badgers? I don't know how you get on Minnesota in this game. Uh, Maybe there's an angle somewhere, but why would you want to go against one of the hottest teams in the nation that's pretty well balanced? They run the ball well, they can score quickly, and they play some of the best defense in the entire conference. So Wisconsin's one of those teams. You take away that Arizona fluke, you know, and uh, when they get one more break against Ohio State. They're in the national title picture, so that's what people need to realize. I don't think seven. I don't think laying sixteen is that big a number against Minnesota.
0: I think the average public better reads way too much into records when they look at college football. I see this time and time again with the questions I get on Twitter about, you know, how do you get an eight and two team against another eight and two team with one of them laying seventeen points? Well, it's all about quality competition and how the teams are playing. You look at last week, Wisconsin beats Indiana fifty one to three you look at two weeks ago and this minnesota team went to indiana and they won by a field goal so that's the discrepancy between these two teams joe
1: yeah, and not only that, a lot of these teams, and they're Big Ten teams, I know Penn State's notorious for this, yeah. uh, at least the years I was there, they can schedule three or four nothing games throughout the season. So sometimes you see 7-1 or 7-2, it's not that impressive, because three or four wins came against the bottom of the MAC conference, and, uh, you know, our sisters of the poor, who you flew in for a million bucks and blew out, but then you play one good game and you lose it. But 7-1, yeah, you've got to stay away from the records. Uh, you know, sometimes it means something. I think in Wisconsin's case, they're very close to being undefeated, they very well with Ohio State. They shouldn't have lost that game to ASU. Granted, they did, but um, it is a good football team. And you know, I, Minnesota, again, they play with a lot of emotion, but uh, this is a huge step up in class for them. I think they're going to have a lot of problems. I love, if I'm going to lay 17, I like the fact that Wisconsin can score, but I love the fact that they can limit uh, mm-hmm. what the opposing offenses can do.
0: All right, Joe, let's continue our tour of all the different conferences in NCAA football. (laughs) We'll go to the Pac-12 here, Uh, the Oregon Ducks taking on the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Thanks to Stanford's 2017 loss to USC last weekend, the Ducks are back on top of the Pac-12 North. Uh, they lost to the Cardinals two weeks ago, took down Utah last week 44-21. Arizona's been slipping recently as well. The Wildcats dropped back-to-back home games in the last two weeks. They lost to UCLA 31-26 and Washington State 24-17. Now this is an interesting line in this game because... Uh, the first line I saw earlier this week was uh, Oregon, a 17.5-point road chalk. That's all the way up to 20.5 points. Uh, we've seen a three-point move in the last couple of days. Not much faith in the Wildcats at the moment, Joe. Uh, really hard to, uh, to make a case for, for Arizona in this game, in my opinion.
1: First off, get this before it gets to 21. Get it before it gets to 21. Right. Beat the three touchdowns. Now, number two, if Oregon beats Stanford and it's still undefeated, what's this line?
0: it would be if it, they're still undefeated i don't know you you tell me joe
1: i i can't see it being less than 28 I really can't see it being less than 28. I think if they had beat Stanford and were still doing what they mm. were doing, people would still be betting them like crazy. This right. line would be 28, 28 and a half like the Utah game last week. It would be a much bigger number. So, so let's see if I got this right. Oregon, a team <laughs> who covers all the time. I mean, what are they, 14-4 against the number over their last 18 overall. They go red hot to start the season. We ride them all year. We make a bunch of money. We get off them for Stanford because we know that's a dicey situation. They lose the game. Everyone stops talking about them. You don't play them the Following week, because sometimes you don't know how teams are going to respond, and they come out and they play very well on the road to Utah. They didn't cover 28.5, but they still played well. Now they've got that game out of the way. Stanford's lost. They still have a chance to, A, get in the national championship game, which is it's a long shot, obviously, but they definitely have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. They control their destiny to get to a major bowl game, and that still means something yep. to these kids. Arizona's not very good, and we're now getting the Ducks at less than three touchdowns. I have to play that just on price alone. Mariota was saying earlier this week, the knee brace is coming off. He's feeling better. I'm all over Oregon. Thanks, for the, thanks to the bookmakers for making it less than 21.
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to probably thank Stanford as well a couple weeks ago for that yeah. win.
1: Yeah, that's that's basically what happens. Sometimes you think that when a team loses a game like that, that it's going to ruin all opportunities moving forward. It's quite the contrary. The fact that Stanford beat them, everyone kind of jumped off it. They didn't cover last week. Now the number comes pouring down. If Oregon was undefeated at this point, this number would be damn near 30, but it's not because they're not undefeated and the public's jumped off the train. Let's get back on that train. This is less than three touchdowns. We might be able to cash with this team a few more times before the season's out.
0: All right, Joe, let's move on here to a couple of independents. we got Notre Dame and uh, BYU at Notre Dame Stadium. Cougars have won six of their last seven games. They became bowl eligible uh, last week. The Fighting Irish, they're out of the top 25. They lost to Pitt 28-21 November 9th a couple weeks ago. That snapped a four-game winning streak for them. Depending on your book, this game uh, opened in a pick'em range. It's still in a pick'em range. BYU lost 17-14 in South Bend last season. If I've learned anything from you, Joe, I know that you love these revenge angles, so I'm going to assume you're on the Cougars again this week.
1: Yeah, it's not so much the revenge angle, it's just, man, this line's <laughs> Notre Dame's a pick'em open against BYU. At home. Notre Dame, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame is one of the most public teams in the country. People love them. BYU, so many people never even see them play. They're all the way out west where I live. Uh, very rarely are they on TV. But don't get it confused. BYU is a good football team. Seven and three overall this season. They're five four and one against the number, but they're coming in here as a pick'em. I, I know some really sharp guys who so have BYU is a five and a half point favorite here. They jumped all over this game early. They think this is a big mismatch, and that Notre Dame should not have opened as the favorite, but it's expected to see that because they're such a public team. BYU goes into the fourth quarter at South Bend last year, up 14-10. to They get outscored 7-0. They lose to the Fighting Irish, so they've been talking about that all weekend, or all week I should say. Don't worry about BYU. They've got the bulletin board material for this game. They've won six of their last seven, the only loss coming by way of a 27-17 defeat at Wisconsin, which, as we've talked about before, there's right. no shame in that. That's a tough. Camp Randall's a tough place to get a win, and uh, only losing by 10. I think that's a pretty good performance. They're a bit banged up, but Notre Dame, they're not a team that covers the spread. 3-7-1 and against the number over their last 11 home games, 3-7-1 and against the number over their last 11 games overall. I think BYU takes advantage of the situation. They come in here, and they get their win. Yes, Notre Dame's coming up the bye. I think Notre Dame's an overrated football team, but we're going to see it on Saturday.
0: I agree 100% with that. I also think BYU's very underrated. You talk about uh, you know that they don't get a lot of national television attention, but I, I've seen a. couple BYU games this year. I saw them against Texas earlier this season. I remember them playing Georgia Tech as well earlier this year, where I watched a couple quarters of that game. This team can flat out score. They can score a lot of points, and Notre Dame, we know uh, they're probably not going to be able to keep up. They turn the ball over a lot on offense, and they just don't score many points. So for that reason, I'd love the Cougars in this spot, Joe.
1: Yeah, and remember, one of the big angles with BYU is they've got older football players. Those guys have to go serve their missions for one or two years as part of the uh, as part of what goes on with the Mormons. I don't know right. how else to Yeah, I don't know how it
0: works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm not, I'm not sure how it works. I'm not trying to be <laughs> offensive. I just know that these guys are a lot older than most college football players, so they've got more experience in a lot of these situations. A lot of these guys remember what happened last year. They want to go in and they want to get this game. This is a big religious battle here too. You got the Catholics versus good, the Mormons. Good point. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure amongst these teams, at least BYU, this means something to them. I don't think the rest of the country is going to pay attention to it that way, but. Uh, I think it does mean something to Cougars, and I really like this angle. I think getting them at a pick that's a steal.
0: The religious angle? Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. I was actually in a meeting where a guy was trying to tell me about a Halloween angle. Home <laughs> teams on Halloween always cover, and we looked at him like he was crazy, and he tried to give us this number, and then we looked at the uh, games that were played on Halloween. All the home teams got their asses kicked. So I don't know if the religious angle is going to mean a whole lot, just like that crap Halloween angle. I've
0: heard the, of the full moon angle as well before. <laughs> you never bet yeah. against, I don't remember which team it was, but don't bet against them on a full moon because they're 3-0 and in their history.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure one of those games was 1974, one was 1962, and one was five years ago. So that's uh, that's ancient history for
0: us. Exactly. Let's move on here. Uh, keep it going with the new conference. We'll go to Conference USA. East Carolina Pirates taking aim at their first five-game winning streak since 1999. They're taking on the ACC's NC State Wolfpack. Uh, the Pirates last week 63 to 14, a route over UAB, uh, in their final home game of the season. So they maintain their position atop the Conference USA East Division standings. The Wolfpack will be looking to snap their six game losing streak that dropped them to three and seven overall. Joe, I look at this game and this one scares the hell out of me. Uh, I look at it. I thought East Carolina would be laying double digits on the road here. That's where I have them in my rankings. They're only six point road chalk. I know they have a look ahead game against Mar- last week uh sorry next week but aside from that this one looks like it has huge blowout potential
1: you know I, i'm glad you said that with your numbers because i sit in that tuesday meeting and Three guys at the table. One guy had this game, East Carolina, minus nine. The other two had it, East Carolina, minus 12. We jumped all over it at six. Everyone thinks this is a great play. Yes, there's a possible look ahead to Marshall, but this is an opportunity for East Carolina to knock off North Carolina and North Carolina State in the same season. That would put them on top of the state. It might not mean a lot to us, but I think to them that is somewhat of an angle that they want to say, look, we are a good team in this state. This is big for recruiting especially with UNC spiraling down the toilet in pretty much both sports right now. Uh, East Carolina, this is two teams headed in opposite directions. East Carolina's won four straight by an average of 36 points per game. Now, they're not playing anybody, which people would say, well, then maybe they're a bit overrated. But at the same time, they don't have to expel a lot of energy. They're not getting into these physical matchups. They're not going deep into the fourth quarter. They're blowing people out, and that's it. Then you look at North Carolina State. They've dropped six straight by an average of 17 points per game. They also share a common opponent in North Carolina, you <laughs> Both teams hosted North Carolina. East Carolina throttled them 55-31. NC State lost 27-19. You can't really play the common opponent angle and put too much weight behind it, but every now and again you want to keep an eye on it. And NC State's coming home off back-to-back road losses to Duke 38-20 and Boston College 38-21. I think the number's short. I love East Carolina here.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. I look at my lines, I had East Carolina minus 11, so in that same type of range I was very surprised. Again, it, it just scares me a little bit when I see my line so much different from the odds maker's lines but I can't make a case against East Carolina in this game. I'll be playing them uh, myself. And you talk about East Carolina NC State going in different directions How about Idaho and Florida State going in different directions? Uh, Florida State, number two in the major polls uh, They'll probably be in the BCS Championship game this this year Idaho. They're on a five game losing streak. They've won just once this season That was over Temple and we all know that Temple isn't very good. Uh, this spread is insanely high. Seminoles laying 57 points in this contest. Uh, I know you put this on the sheet this week, Joe. What are you doing with this matchup?
1: Well, you got to find ways to make money on these games because there's always an angle. It's just about how you want to approach it. But let me throw this out there. I'm going to give you the play I'm, I'm making... But I'm going to tell you to exercise caution because this Jameis Winston stuff, it's starting to pick up some speed, yeah. some steam here, and it's starting to become a distraction down there. It was one thing last week. Now this week, they can link the DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the police force looks bad. This is starting to heat up, so be careful with this game. But if you're going to look for an angle here, I like playing the first half, lay the points with Florida State, which will be hitting the board in Vegas sometime Thursday or Friday, depending on the sports book. Florida State's been cruising. They've got, they've got a revenge game next week in Gainesville against the Gainesville who came into Tallahassee last year and knocked them off, and they're thinking about the national championship. But Idaho's terrible. One and nine. They, they, they play in Moscow, Idaho. It's very difficult to travel into and out of that city. There's no airport nearby. It's a lot of travel. So they've got to come all the way across the country for a paycheck in a game where they're going to get blown out. But you, know, you wonder if Florida State's going to pull the starters and turn off the engines later in the game, knowing they've got Florida and the ACC championship game coming up on deck. So the way I see it, Florida State turns it on early like they've been doing over the last few weeks. They cover the first-half number, and then from there you don't need to worry about it. Last week, 38 nothing against Syracuse in the first half. Week before that, 42 nothing at Wake Forest. Then there was the Miami game that was close. Miami's a be- decent football team. Yeah. Then you got 42 nothing against North Carolina State and 27-7 at Clemson. Those are all first-half scores. This team gets out early. They get out hot. Whatever happens in the second half, we don't care. We're going to play the Noles in the first half.
0: I like that angle a lot. You just convinced me there, Joe, with those scores in the last uh, four meetings. Sorry the last four games with Florida State. Uh, Let's end things off here with the Mountain West. The Colorado State Rams looking for uh, a win that will make them bowl eligible. They clash with the Utah State Aggies. Colorado State's rattled off two straight victories, four in the last five games. Uh, last weekend, they scored a season high 66 points as they beat down New Mexico, a game that we had on our card last week. That was a winner for us. As for the Aggies, they enjoyed their second bye week in the last month, planning for how uh, they intend to wit- extend their current winning streak to four games. Utah State, I saw a jump right before we got off air. I uh, got on air. Excuse me. It was eight and a half uh, on my notes. I see ten points at home here. What's the play in this one, Joe?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you want to play this anymore. I jumped on Utah State minus 7.5, and and, uh, now that I've seen this thing skyrocket, once you get to double digits, it starts to get a little bit dicey. Colorado State got bowl eligible last week. That's one of the main reasons we played them at New Mexico. Great performance, got bowl eligible. They're 6-5 and now. Now they travel to Utah State. Styles make fights, and this is a big this is a big mismatch for Colorado State because their offensive identity is all about the running game and Capri Bibbs. This kid has rushed for 603 yards and 10 touchdowns over the last two weeks. Let those numbers settle in. That's like a high school stud running against inferior opposition. 603 yards and two games for this guy. The problem is Utah State has a great front seven and can defend the run. They're only giving up 127.3 point yards per game on the ground this season. So when you take Colorado State's angle and put them on the road against a team that's good at shutting down that angle, I think the the Rams are going to struggle here. I think Utah State's a good football team. They've been cruising lately. Um... What are they? 18, 7 and one over the last twenty-six games. They cover numbers. They're nine and three against the number over the last twelve at home. A lot of reasons to like the Aggies here. Again, once it gets to double digits, you got to be worried. You're not getting a whole lot of value, but at seven and a half, I still love the play. So,
0: is this a play worth considering if it's less than double digits? Even if it goes down to nine and a half at some point?
1: Yeah, maybe if you can grab nine and a half out there, I'd say, based on what, we, what happened with Wisconsin last week, um, yeah, because this is some early money, this is some sharp money coming in, so if you can grab nine and a half, you're okay, not great, so keep an eye on that line, don't lay ten or more though, there's no reason when the seven and a half was out there long enough, which probably means we should be taping this podcast Sunday night or Monday right. morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah, I'd say nine and a half, you could still lay it there.
0: All right, sounds good, Joe. That's been this week's edition of the High Roller Tide Podcast. You can head over to nationalfootballpost.com, check out Joe's Week 13 college football betting primer. Uh, Joe has a ton of analysis on this week's five-pack of games with some strong trends and angles uh, to support those plays. You can also follow us on Twitter, Joe at Joe Fortenbaugh, and myself at Rob Pizzola. Joe, as always, a pleasure breaking it down, and we'll do it again next week.
1: Great stuff as always. Good luck to everybody and keep that stuff coming on Twitter because uh, you guys are starting to send us some of your plays and I like the angles so let's keep that discussion going and let's make some money.
0: Agreed. That's Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post. Quickly to recap our plays this week Baylor, Oklahoma State, that's a pass Uh, but as Joe mentioned there's sharp money on Oklahoma State in that game I don't want to bet against Baylor. I'm passing on that. Texas A&M LSU, Joe likes the over in that game. Wisconsin Minnesota, that's a pass Uh, but we both lean Wisconsin in that game Oregon Arizona 20 and a half points with Oregon lay the points get it before it gets up to 21 we like that play BYU at Notre Dame that's a pick 'em take the Cougars on the road East Carolina lay six points with them on the road at NC State Florida State play them in the first half at home to the Idaho Vandals and finally Utah State laying 10 points at home to Colorado State. Uh, We don't advocate it at double digits, but if it does drop down to 9.5, be sure to get it on Utah State in that game. Quickly, quick programming note, we'll be aiming to do the podcast next Wednesday uh, in light of U.S. Thanksgiving, so look for a podcast next Wednesday of uh, High Roller Tide. Uh, Hopefully we can get some good plays in early next week, uh, and then we'll update some stuff via Twitter later in the week. This has been the 13th edition of the High Roller Tide podcast. Thanks for listening, and good luck with your plays this weekend. For even more of the best picks in football this week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rob Pizzola and at
1: Joe Fortenbaum.